Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. I love that Agua Media sound, right? That means uh, we are on the air. This is Agua Media, and the show is called Rick Sanchez News Podcast, and I'm Rick Sanchez, and there is a lot going on, and we're going to continue to talk about uh, the big story that Latinos in the United States are talking about because it's, you know, what we do on this particular podcast is talk about Latino truths, right? It's our perspectives, the things that Latinos care about. And by the way, we do that here because you're not going to get this anywhere else. Do you think MSNBC is going to do these stories? You think, uh, you know, Fox News or CNN are going to do these stories? Oh, they might, but they'll never really understand our perspective on this story. And guys, again, I mean, look, we're 20% of the population of the United States. We're the third fastest growing economy in the entire world. That means GDP. Our Latinos in the United States are growing as an economy faster than the economy of the United States. Let me say that again. We Latinos, if we were a country, would be the third fastest growing ahead of the United States and only behind China and India. That's significant stuff. And yet you can't get our perspective, you can't get our truths anywhere unless you come here. This is where we dedicate ourselves to these truths. And this story that everybody seems to be talking about, including us, I think if you saw, if you watched our podcast or saw our podcast, because some of it is already on YouTube, uh, yesterday, you would have seen that we're heavily involved in this James Franco Look, the guy's a sexual predator, okay? Let's just say it. I mean, look, it, those aren't my words. Those are James Franco's words. He admits that he started a school for young ladies to learn how to act, and he slept with many of them. And he basically coaxed them into it, right? And he's in trouble for that. He's copped to it. But now he's being rewarded because he's getting the gig. He's getting to play the role of Fidel Castro in the story of Alina Fernandez Revuelta, who happens to be Fidel Castro's uh, daughter, and they're making a movie, and he's getting that role. And, and this is not sitting well with Latinos. John Leguizamo is going apeshit over it, and he should be. And by the way, just once again, we'll make this point that nobody is saying in the Latino community that somebody who's not Latino shouldn't play a Latino role. What they're saying is, if you look at the situation contextually, right now in the United States, Latinos are getting hosed. And we're going to go through those numbers. We're going to go through those numbers that confirm that. And that's why Latinos are upset. And I'm going to break that down for you. But we got to start with the other story that everybody's now talking about that developed overnight. And that's Donald Trump, his residence in uh, Mar-a-Lago. It has been raided by the FBI. This is fascinating. I mean, think about it. Here's a former president of the United States and his, uh, his home, in this case, his mansion, which he constantly likes to show off. What a difference, right? You know, I've, I've been to Mar-a-Lago because I grew up here in South Florida. And uh, though I've never been inside, let me not, let me be very straight with you. I've never been inside Mar-a-Lago, but I've driven by it. Most of us have. Most of us know where it is. And uh, to say it's a little bit pretentious would be an understatement. It is 
very pretentious. I also got to know very well uh, Jimmy Carter. And I just got to say, I, I went and visited the former president, President Carter, in Plains, Georgia. And that's exactly what it is. He's a regular guy. He lives a regular life. His home is nice, but nothing ostentatious. He goes to church. He is a deacon in his church. He, he's, an, he's a fascinatingly great man because of his simplicity. He's a fascinatingly great man because of his simplicity. I'm just saying, what a difference between that and uh, former President Donald Trump. You know, I worked with Russians recently, as some of you may know. They love Donald Trump because they love ostentatious. If it ain't got gold in it, they don't want to know you. If you got a big fancy car and it costs a lot of money, they love it. If you can wear a fancy suit, great. If you got gold plumbing, they love you more. Really, a, and it's not their fault. Russians and other people who come from countries that have been under autocratic rule, that have been communist, they are fascinated with wealth, fascinated with anything that's ostentatious, anything that glitters for some reason. You know how we as Americans have like a log cabin mentality? The simpler you are, the more... I like you more if I know that you started with nothing and made something of yourself. Those people from those countries, by the way, I hate to say this, but including Cuban-Americans who come from Cuba, especially the more recent one, it's just the opposite. They love you more if you were born with money and are rich and are going around showing it off. That's what they like. That's what they seem to almost admire, if not even worship. What a difference, right? I know that starts with Jimmy Carter on the one hand, Donald Trump on the other. And last night, Donald Trump's ostentatious palace that is Mar-a-Lago was raided by the FBI. And everybody jumped on this story. In fact, here it is. There appears to be an investigation by the feds into Mar-a-Lago, the home of Donald Trump, the twice impeached president and very much disgraced president. The former president confirmed that, yes, this raid did happen on his Mar-a-Lago resort in Palm Beach. He did not specify why exactly this raid happened. All right, let's stop there. Let's stop there because I think it's fascinating to stop that. I just, those are two clips that you just listened to. The first one was from MSNBC. The other one was from CNN. CNN's was straightforward and at least all they did was report the facts. The guy though on, uh, the guy though on MSNBC had to immediately, like this story is good enough, man. This is a former president of the United States and his compound is being raided by the FBI. That story does not need embellishment. But then he goes on, as you just heard right there, to, you know, uh, accuse the former president of being this or that. And I just think that's unnecessary. And you lose you lose credibility, MSNBC, when you report a, a story like that. And I'm not saying there's not a place from time to time for doing a story where you give your opinion, but you just didn't need to do it there. But they can't help themselves. But now, if you think that's bad, which it is, uh, Take a look at uh, Fox News. Here's Sean Hannity. Dale. A dark day for our republic, the Department of Justice, the rule of law. What looks to be potentially a shocking overreach. We'll find out in due time that will have serious ramifications 
potentially for many, many years to come. Now, Biden's politically charged. We've already chronicled all this. DOJ is now being used as a weapon against Biden's top political rival. That's the former president of the United States of America. Uh, talk about <laughs> By the way, one of the things that bothers me about Sean Hannity is he's not a journalist. And you can tell sometimes when he tries to play the role of journalist by reporting a story, he has no idea how in the hell to do it. But I can say the same thing about CNN and I can say the same thing about MSNBC. And that does not make me happy that the people who are playing the role of journalists in the United States are not journalists because Cuomo is a lawyer whose dad happens to be famous and that's how he got his gig. Anderson Cooper apparently is cute and he is also a former uh, realist, uh, reality show host. I could go on and on. So it's not just Sean Hannity, but Sean Hannity did say something that uh, is interesting uh, when he talks specifically when he talks specifically about the fact that this is a uh, a uh, some kind of politicized attack on Donald Trump, and 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 here's what's here's what's not true about what he's saying. Um, Donald Trump assigned, picked the head of the FBI, the guy who essentially made the decision to let his agents raid the Donald Trump compound is a Republican. Christopher Wray is a Republican. Not only is he a Republican, he's a Donald Trump Republican. So this is a man who was chosen, appointed by Donald Trump, and is now making the decision to do this raid on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago compound. Now, think this through. Donald Trump had, uh, what was his name? James Comey as the FBI director. He got rid of him. He fired him, right? Then he had McCabe, and he got rid of him, too, because he didn't want him. So he put in Christopher Ray, his guy, and it's his guy who's now conducting this raid on Mar-a-Lago. So when you hear Sean Hannity say, this guy is a Biden guy, is he really? And isn't that important context that he should tell his viewers? And that's the problem with what's going on with what we call journalism in America today. Nobody's telling you stories. Essentially, they're just telling you their side of the story. Here's another clip now because everybody, all the Republicans are piling on the FBI and they're not even, they're not even really being fair about this in the way that they're talking about it, right? It's like, this is our guy, and if you're going after him, then it has to be wrong. That's essentially what they're saying. Listen to Rick Scott. You never hear of anybody fired. You never hear anybody demoted. You never hear anybody, anything happening to any of these people to do the wrong thing. This should scare the living daylights out of American citizens and say, we have got to change our federal government. The way our federal government has gone, it's, it's like what we thought about the Gestapo and people like that, that they just go after people. What we, thought, what we thought about Soviet Union, what we look at Latin America, we have got to say to ourselves, this cannot be our country. We have got to say, we're, we're a country of laws, not of people that are attacking their political opponent and getting away with it. Rick Scott is, generally speaking, and probably those of you who can tell how people are able to form ideas and then have some kind of consequential uh, conversation, you can tell that he's just all over the place, you know? This is the Gestapo. This is Latin America. This is Soviet U What? By the way, those are completely three different examples, none of which have anything the hell to do with anything. And there's so much nuance to try and explain what he's talking about, but comparing He's basically saying the United States government is the same as Hitler's government. The United States government is the same as Hitler's government because they're going after his friend, Donald Trump. 
I should tell you, Rick Scott is not a person who has not been under investigation himself. He was the subject of one of the biggest fraud investigations in the history of the United States. To say that he's crooked would be an understatement. He is. I know that. Look up Rick Sanchez. Look up Rick Scott together. Put Rick Sanchez, Rick Scott. Look at the interview I once did with Rick Scott about his own foibles when I was the main anchor at the CNN. And I think you'll understand who Rick Scott really is. But, you know, forget all that because Rick Scott has his problems. This is not to pick on Republicans or Democrats because as far as I'm concerned, to a certain extent, they're all corrupt. But in this case, though, we do have to point out that these same guys who thought it was okay when the government of the United States went after Bill Clinton because he had oral sex with uh, a woman who wasn't his wife, and they went crazy. They wanted to throw the book at him. They wanted to impeach him. They wanted him, you know, uh, hung out to dry. Uh, they wanted the FBI to investigate him. They wanted all of those things done to Bill Clinton. And by the way, I think what Bill Clinton did in the White House, I think he was a pig. And I think what he did with Monica Lewinsky was very, very wrong. But um, morally, should he have been impeached for it? I don't know. That's another question. But these same guys who you're hearing now say these things about that Donald Trump, you know, it's wrong that the FBI should be raiding him or should be investigating him. I mean, really? Can, can we just talk about some of the differentiators here? Because um, you could say, look, uh, why are they doing this? I don't understand. Um, Where's the background for any investigation like this? Unless you're living in a cave, and I'll just take you through a few of these, right? You know that Donald Trump is being investigated already for what he did in Georgia by Georgia prosecutors, where he called state officials and said he wanted them to find some votes. We know that's possibly illegal, so he could be investigated for that. We know he's being investigated right now by New York state attorneys. Why? Because he essentially seemingly committed fraud when he described his wealth one way for taxes and another way for banks who, where he was looking for a loan by saying that his properties were worth a lot of money, right, to the banks who he would give them a loan. And then he said on his taxes that those same properties were, were barely worth anything. That's called fraud. Did he commit fraud? I don't know. But would it surprise me that he's being investigated for that? Of course not. All you got to do is open your eyes and read a couple of articles. So to say that Donald Trump, oh my God, this is shocking. How can they be raiding his property looking for evidence? Yeah, I can understand why they may be looking for evidence, especially given what we know about Donald Trump, especially given what we've learned recently from the January 6th committee. Am I saying he's guilty? I'm not saying he's guilty. I'm saying that anybody with their eyes open would know that there are factual determinants here, which could lead a judge to go ahead and grant a warrant to go into Donald Trump's house and look for evidence regarding these things that I just described to you. And if you're going to compare him to Bill Clinton, for example, which most of these people were all for investigating Bill Clinton, let's go through some of those, right? 72 different vendors who work for Donald Trump said that Donald Trump never paid them. And many of them are suing the former president. 18 women have come forward and said that Donald Trump sexually abused them in one way. Two of them say it was just pure rape. Yes, we know that. That happened. Just Google it. You can read the story. Maybe they're looking for information about that. 
Um, there's two real estate fraud investigations, like the ones that I just told you about that are taking place in New York as we speak. Donald Trump happens to have six bankruptcies, companies that he owned that went bankrupt. And after he bankrupted one, it didn't matter because his daddy left him $400 million so he could just go on and use uh, those funds to make another company. Now, the reason I say this, because if you or I had any of these things that had happened to us, we would, either, we, would, we would certainly be investigated. We would probably be in jail because we don't have enough money to have a team of lawyers go in there and defend us. And again, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, this is not to, you know, nail Donald Trump, rag on Donald Trump. He's not the only politician who's, do, who's done things wrong. But for these guys with a straight face like Sean Hannity to go on the air and say he's shocked. He's shocked. I mean, like this is Mother Teresa down there. That Mother Teresa's, you know, home was investigated. I mean, come on, be honest. Give the right information to your to your viewers. Same as I criticize the guy on MSNBC who can't just report the story about Donald Trump. No, he's got to get in his digs against Donald Trump. Completely unnecessary. By the way, this bankruptcy story that I just mentioned, that does not get enough attention. You know, I know the fact that Donald Trump has been accused of being a sexual predator. <laughs> a lot like James Franco, by the way. And uh, the fact that he's had these bankruptcies, that tells me something. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I've never de declared bankruptcy. Have you? Have you declared bankruptcy? Six times? I'll take you through them. Taj Mahal. Opened in 1990. Six months later, he defaulted on interest payments to bondholders and his finances went into a tailspin. 1991, the Taj Mahal filed for bankruptcy, right? Atlantic City, same thing, declared bankruptcy. A fourth property, the Plaza Hotel in New York, declared bankruptcy in 1992 after amassing debt. I read on, according to PolitiFact. Two more bankruptcies were uh, discovered in 1992. That totals six bankruptcies, six companies, companies that he started that went bankrupt. Trump hotels and casinos resorts filed for bankruptcy again in 2004. How do you go broke with you own a casino? I thought that was like a license to steal money, but I digress. After, after accruing about $1.8 billion in debt, Trump Entertainment Resorts, there's another one, also went bankrupt in 2009. I mean, this is the guy who's supposed to be such a wonderful business person. Yeah, I vote for him because he's a businessman. Think about that. Oh, look, all I'm saying is facts matter. Reality matters. These things that I'm sharing with you, these people who are going on the air today, and I, look, I don't know what they found. I don't even know what they were looking for. You know, I think there's a possibility that they were looking for documents relating to Donald Trump as it uh, may relate to the January 6th committee hearings and whether or not he actually sent those, 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 that mob into the Capitol. That might be what they're looking for. Or they may be looking for documents related to something else. I don't know. But I do know this. If, if, if I know my neighbor has had 18 women accuse him of sexual allegations, if I know my neighbor has bankrupted six companies, if I know that my neighbor has had 72 people uh, sue him for not paying them, 
If I know all of these things about my neighbor, if I know that my neighbor has been questioned in terms of whether he tells the truth about the value of his businesses, if I know my neighbor has been investigated for tax purposes in the the past, if I know all these things about my neighbor, the guy who lives next door to me, who, by the way, might be a good guy, maybe he comes over for barbecues, I don't know, but I know all those things about him. And one day I look out my window and the FBI is raiding his property. I'm not going to be shocked. I'm not going to be shocked. If they raided Jimmy Carter, I'd be shocked. I've been to Jimmy Carter's home in Plains, Georgia. I happen to know President Carter. Like I know, you know, President uh, Obama and President Bush and interviewed President Reagan, one of the persons morally that I've trusted and respected more of any president in our last 40, 50 years. So I have a feeling these guys, I got a pretty good feeling about them, and I'd probably be shocked if they maybe raided their homes. But come on, Sean Hannity, to say that you're shocked? You're shocked? This is crazy. This is a moral outrage that the FBI director, Christopher Wray, who is a Trump appointee and a loyal Republican, who voted for Donald Trump, has seen enough evidence that he's made a decision to send his agents to raid the home of Donald Trump. And you're saying Christopher Wray is somehow a a, a Democratic lackey or a Biden lackey? He's not. He's a Trump appointee. You got to say that to your viewers so they better understand the story. And we've got to stop this crap where we only tell stories through our eyes. It's not about telling you the news anymore. It's about trying to make you believe what I believe or making you more convinced of what I think you already believe. And that's not news. But that's what's going on today. Donald Trump's compound has been raided. We're following it. And we had to put this at the very top of this podcast today to discuss it with you. Well, Speaking of guys who've been accused of being sexual predators, that's the case with John Franco. We hate to say it, but it's, I mean, look, you got to give the guy his props. He's come forward. He said, I screwed up. I'm sorry. I was, you know, I was into drugs and alcohol and that forced me to do these things. But he started a school for for uh, young women and he apparently was trying to teach them how to act. And in the process, he was, well, I mean, you know, he was sleeping with them. He was sleeping with young girls who were, or pardon me, young women who were coming to his uh, academy to learn how to act. And, and you know, and, and look, I mean, it's hard to live that down, right? He gets props for admitting that he did it and for trying to change. And he says he made a huge mistake. But we're left with the question of this. If it wasn't James Franco and instead it was a Latino who was accused of that and dealing with that, would he be getting cast as Fidel Castro? Because this is the controversy. James Franco is cast as Fidel Castro and Latinos all over the United States. You heard what John Leganzamo said. John Leganzamo is up in arms and so are many Latino actors. And it's not because they don't think, nobody's saying it's wrong for somebody who's not a Latino to be cast as a Latino. After all, they're actors. They're supposed to be able to stretch themselves. That's what this is all about. However, here's the caveat. Here's Here's... And and please understand this from the Latino perspective, right? Latinos are not saying we don't think non-Latinos can play roles where the the lead or whatever the actor is or whatever the role is, is a Latino, like Fidel Castro. 
What they're saying is, why is it that Latinos, according to the Annenberg study done by USC, always are cast as criminals 37% of the time? Uh, we are 20% of the population practically of the United States, and we're only cast 5% of the time. And again, of that 5%, 37% of the time, they're cast as criminals. Another 29% of the time, they're cast as... Latinos are cast as unsuccessful, according to the Annenberg study. You know, kind of people who aren't able to succeed, who aren't winning. They're not doctors. They're not lawyers. And then on top of that, we're now seeing that Hollywood has adjusted when it comes to non-Latinos... Yay, we're happy for African-Americans because I can't turn on Netflix and not see an African-American doctor, an African-American scientist and whatever, right? And good, I'm glad, I want them. I want my African-American brothers to be cast differently than they always were historically. I could say the same thing about, you know, gay Americans. I could say the same thing about Indian Americans. But for some reason, we Latinos, if we, that's why this conversation is resonating all over the United States right now with Latinos. That's the reason. It's not because, oh, you can't get cast if, as a Latino if you're not a Latino. No, it's bigger than that. That's what it's all about. And that's why I am just, you know, look, I want to bring in Carla Hull. Uh, Carla is a casting director. In fact, she's not just a casting director. She's a superstar. She's among the best of the best in the business when it comes to this. And she, um, you, if you Google her, you'll find out that she is uh, prominent in trying to create a conversation similar, I, I'm not going to put my words in her mouth, but similar to some of the things that I was just saying. She's a proponent of making sure that Latinos are considered for key roles, so much so, let me tell you a little bit about what she's done. So Carla, and this is really cool, cast Narcos, Netflix, Coco, Disney, I think, right? Acapulipto, uh, Man on Fire. I mean, some of the biggest, you know, productions that have been done, she was responsible for casting them. So she's she's a pro. Um, and this is, this is important to her. So we figured, we've been having this conversation now for the last 48 hours. So a lot of Latinos all over the United States, kitchen tables. So we wanted to bring uh, Carla into... Uh, to help us talk about this. Did I do you right? Was that introduction okay? <laughs> no, that it was perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Well, listen, th 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 thanks for joining us. Um, let's yeah, start at the beginning, just so people understand your perspective. You are, as we like to say, a Chilanga, right? I'm a Chilanga, yes. Born and raised in Mexico City. Mexicana. Habla español, habla inglés. Total. You're, so you're, you're bilingue. Soy bilingue. Perfecto. Yes. Um, how, how'd you get to be such a superstar in your, in your, in your field? My word, of course, you don't have to accept it, but you kind of are. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I wouldn't need to tell you a little bit about my story. I'm like fifth generation in the film industry. I'm the only casting director. Um, you know, my great, my grandmother was a ballerina, Constanza Hull. She, she, she used to work with Cantinflas and wow. you know, those guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> are you kidding right? me? Your, yeah. your your grandmother worked with Cantinflas. Yes. Pedro Infante, all those guys. Hijo. Um, and then my dad and my uncle are producers. And I ended up in casting. But my whole family is in, in, in the industry. And I end, I'm the only one in casting. And I love it. Uh, I started up in Mexico and eventually moved to L.A. 15 years ago. So I've been casting for 
little bit over 20 years. Um, and I've seen all the all of this transformation uh, when it comes to the Latino casting in, in Hollywood. It's, it's, I've been sort of fighting all these years for representation or, and for authenticity and for respect for Latinos in the industry. And, you know, it's gotten better. It has gotten better, but I think there is still a lot of work to be done. Yeah. It seems um, like guys like Legazamo and so many others who have come out in the last uh, 48, 72 hours, and they're just, you can sense, Carla, you know, they're angry. Frustration. Yeah. They're just like, enough. Basta. Yeah. Right? I mean. Yeah. And I, and I don't, it seems to me they're not saying it's wrong for a person who is non-Latino to be cast as a Latino. They're just saying in the context of what ha what is happening today with Latinos, just the numbers that I quoted, the Annenberg study, you know, we're 20% of the population, 5% of us are ever cast of those you know, 20, the, 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 did I get my numbers right? 37% of the time we're only cast as criminals. Rarely do we get the leading roles. You know, does that cause us? All those things are, are, are important. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that, that is the frustration, right? And are, they, and they're not wrong. Absolutely not. I mean, the minute I saw that announced, I was like, no, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> you know, I was like, really, is this really still happening? Mm -hmm. It's shocking, you know. I mean, I just recently, not that long ago, cast a film about Los Frikis in Cuba. Mm -hmm. You know, Los Frikis, right? Um, back when AIDS started and everything. Anyway, it's an American film, but it's shot in Mexico. I cast every single actor out of Cuba. There was only one actor who came who is Cuban, but came from the US. It's possible. There are many actors out there. There is no excuse to not cast a Latino in these roles, right? The only problem that I do know exists because it happens to me all the time with every production that is trying to get financing is that there are not enough Latino name actors, Latinx name actors, right? We have a list of how many? I mean, the same ones that we know for ten, from for 10 years or more, you know, Banderas, Bardem, uh, Diego Luna. I mean, the same, very few Latino name actors. I always wonder if this- maybe finance I, a movie. I, I've always wondered though, Carla, and, and I'm hearing you say that, um, and I apologize for putting this through my own prism, but, um, and it's a little bit different, but I was the first and only Latino anchor in the history of the United States to have his own show on CNN. I was even in prime time by golly. And that was a pretty cool thing. And back in whenever the hell they, they, they fired me kind of like canceled me and that's cool. I mean, it happens. I went on to do something else. In fact, I built a billion dollar company with some friends and now we're doing this because I think this is really important because if we're not going to have an outlet for Latinos to have their voices heard, Hell, we'll create our own outlet, right? And that's why we're doing this. But what bothers me is, why didn't CNN to this day even find another Rick Sanchez? Why isn't there? We're 20% of the population, and there's not a single newscaster on CNN, on MSNBC, on Fox News. I mean, we speak English. 80% uh, of Latinos in the United States are U.S. citizens. 95% of us under the age of 41 speak English. 
Uh, we can go down the list of all these attributes that make us as American as anybody else. And yet we're kind of not treated as Americans. They think we're all sitting around watching telenovelas on Univision and Telemundo. And it's not true. Latinos are Carla's and Rick's in this country. Yeah, that is true. That is true. And that, and, and, and there you're talking about the narrative um, told, you know, and all these stories. We need to change that narrative of seeing always, I think Latinos were tired of seeing always, be, we're always represented in a negative way, right? Um, and no, there are other stories, like you said, like you, like me, there are other Latinos that are successful and are American and pay their taxes and do everything. <laughs> right. So, so, um, so is it, but so, it is, so going it back is, to your, yeah. so going back to your premise, though, I want to push you a little bit on this because I think it makes for a healthier dialogue and I think you're super smart, obviously. Is it that there are not enough of us or is it that the, not, they're not looking in the right places? For us. Okay, so this is very complex because why? I mean, how many? When I moved to to, to LA, right? Mm -hmm. There was no knowledge. There is a lot of ignorance when it comes to Latinos, and Latinos is a very complex community because it's very diverse, mm -hmm. right? So people have a stereotype of what Latino is. And there is not a lot of, um, I mean, I remember back then that they would want to cast a Puerto Rican to play a Mexican speaking Puerto Rican, right? And I would be like, no, you can't cast an Irish guy to play an American speaking Irish. Right. Accent. You can't, you can't yeah. cast a guy with a Bronx accent uh, as a uh, farmer in <laughs> Alabama. Exactly. Exactly. So those little things, you know, I started working on those little things. You know, like the accents, like, no, you've got to be authentic. Maybe you don't hear it because Americans maybe don't hear the difference. But us Latinos, we do. And it's just about respect and authenticity. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so that first. And then I think there are a lot of factors. There are more coming up, you know, because there are more roles now. It's starting to change. But the problem was, I think, that. Latino actors were used to only playing certain roles. Mm. So, yeah, criminal. So, they, they kind of need to catch up. They've been, you know, having to catch up with playing more, uh, playing bigger names, bigger roles on one side. It's such a vicious cycle, though, and you're so right. It I, is. I, it is. It is. And, and not only that, you know, it starts, it starts from writers writing the right characters, Roa, right? Producers. Casting directors, how many casting directors are out there that know the Latino community? Yep. You know, you. because I was born in Mexico, so I can hear all the different accents. I know because I was raised, you know, speaking Spanish. Yeah, me too. Um, exactly. So you can hear the act. You can hear that yo soy mexicana, right? And I can hear that you're Cuban. Um, but there are many casting directors out there that can, and they don't even know. They don't know these differences between the, the between what a Cuban is or a but Mexican is. They understand the perhaps accents within even communities like Brooklyn and Bronx. They know yes. a Midwestern accent. They know a Southern accent. They can even 
variate the differences distinguishable as they might not be for most people between the South Carolina Southern accent and the Georgia Southern accent, which in and of themselves are differences. So they understand the nuances of other communities, but they don't understand our nuances. That's a fabulous point you just made. Exactly. That is the biggest problem. So what happens, you see a show where, um, like, for example, you know, Mayans is a show that has, they shoot some parts in Mexico and these characters are supposed to be Mexican and and speak Mexican and speak bad English, right? Because they're Mexican and they don't speak proper Spanish. You hear an American accent in their Spanish and it's like, no, no, you can't do that. You know, so that's the problem. I think that is the problem. And I think it's about respect. And and it is about, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, can you cast this project that is Asians? And I'm like, okay, I need to do a lot of research. Yeah. So and it did happen once, you know, I interviewed for a project that was all different Asian communities and I did my job and I, I, I started studying and seeing the differences and the mannerisms and the way they talk and the way they look. And because it's about respect, being respectful and authentic. There is right? a difference between a Vietnamese, a Korean, Chinese, Absolutely. Japanese, Absolutely. hell, even Indian Americans, because it all goes under the category of Asian Americans. And no, they're not the same people. So there's a there are distinguished there are distinguishable characteristics in all groups, and that yes. seems to be perfectly well understood in the in the in the, in the Hollywood uh, world. But uh, they don't apply that when it comes to Latinos. That's that's such. And the only way we can change that, the only way we can change that is if people like you and I, in a in a non-confronting way, help them because they're not. I don't think they're bad people. They're not doing this on purpose. They just don't know. You know, If, if we find a way to create conversations like the one that you and I are having right now to help them learn these differences so that maybe they think about it. Right. Yeah. That's all we do. Absolutely. It's, it's about educating as well. You know, it's about educating and it's also about us Latinos uniting because that is another subject that is important to talk about, which is why Latinos bring down Latinos, you know, we need to stick together. And the problem is that, as I said before, the Latino community is very diverse. So we have different countries a ton of different countries, you know, Colombia, Colombia, Cuba, Salvador, this, Mexico, We're all the same. We're all, we, so we, have, many, we have more that's alike than any other cohort absolutely, out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then sometimes within the com- Latino community, it's like, no, but he's Mexican. No, but I'm Cuban. But I'm this. No, we're all Latinos. We just and did. We, also, just, we, we, you, you, we just did a podcast about that, Carla, where I created the premise, and which I then knocked down which is we're constantly hearing every day, Latinos are all different. Latinos are all different. Latinos are not monolithic. Latino, and I hear that if we turn on Fox News, if you turn on CNN, if you turn, that you hear it. And it's like, why are we the only ones who are not monolithic? I mean, Americans are different. Irish people are different. People from the Northeast are different. But somehow they've put that on us and we've bought it. And my argument is we need to unbuy it. 
we need to say, no, 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 no. No estamos comprando, no estamos comprando ese paquete. We're not going to buy that package. You know what? Go sell it somewhere else. Because we all tend to have similar religions. We all tend to have, we all are family oriented. We tend Culture. to vote the same way politically. We There's so much about us that's much more in common than most other Americans. And yet we're letting that's people right. describe us instead of describing ourselves. That's my Absolutely. little spiel on that. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. I've always wanted to ask a casting director this question because here's one that goes to what we were just talking about. And this has nothing to do with Latinos, but it has something to do with perhaps the, what the casting director brings to their game, whether they're a full person who's led a full life or not. Every time, for example, I watch a sports movie, I notice, and Hollywood is famous for this, casting directors will cast somebody as an athlete who may have no athletic ability. And I guess because they don't know, then there'll be a scene where they have to throw like a baseball or something. You know, I'm Cuban for us. Baseball is sacrosanct. And I watched this <laughs> guy going, oh, my God, why didn't they use a, a double or why didn't they hire somebody like, do they not know if you're going to do a movie about a famous baseball player, you have to cast somebody who knows how to play baseball. He can't just be handsome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, I mean, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's changing. I think it also depends on producers. It's not only on casting directors. Sometimes, sometimes you need to attach a name. So they go for a name actor, which is what I was saying before. They need a name to finance the project. So maybe they sacrifice, sacrifice on casting the right person because they need a name, which I don't like. I don't like that. Yeah. I, I, I I think it's better to cast the right actor uh, and the movie's going to be better for it. Which um, leads us to John, uh, James Franco. Um, yeah. James Franco has been kind of out of the, out in the wilderness for the last couple of years. And the reason, as we've just explained a little while ago is uh, he's been accused and has had to settle a lawsuit that I think it's upwards of $2 million dollars. He started a school for acting and seemed to only attract young females. And then he had relationships with many, many, many of those young females in a very predatory manner. Uh, he cops to it. He admits to it. He settled. He says, I was wrong. He blames his addiction issues, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, here's the point. Given that he's bringing that baggage, um, I would think most Latinos, including myself, when we make one mistake, we're usually, bye-bye, don't want to talk to you, you're out. And here's this guy who did this thing, which seems rather heinous to me. You know, I have a daughter and I just not, you know, whatever. I'm not going to go into my spiel, but I think what he did is terrible. Um, and, he, and yet he gets a pass. And that in and of itself is feeding into this problem that Latinos are seeing with this, which makes them very uncomfortable as to why he was cast as Fidel Castro and not a Latino. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think us Latinos are limited. They put, they put limitations on us, including that they don't give us a pass if we make a mistake, right? Or like me being a casting director that is Latina, they only think I can cast Latinos because I'm Latina, right? So I'm, yeah, I mean, it's true. It's, 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 it's a little bit, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, they would never, you're totally right. They would never cast a Latino actor that had, you know, a history of baggage like that. Again, it, the, their career would be 
done for even less than that. Um, hmm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how we can change all this. Well, I think, uh, I mean, I think you, you, you just said something which I think is fascinating for those of us thinking about this conversation. And it's the fact that they don't look at us the same way. Um, I mean, e even in this case, Carla, um, we as Latinos don't get that second chance. And somebody like James Franco does. Is, yeah. is, is it almost like there's clubs and, and you got to belong to the right club? I think so. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I think so. For example, in casting, there is an award, right, for casting. And it's the Ardues Awards. Mm -hmm. It's been several years in a row that, for example, I was nominated for Narcos, precisely. Uh -huh. I was the only Latina out there nominated, the only one representing Latino. And of course, I didn't get, I, I mean, nobody even paid attention to me, right? Because I don't belong, because I'm not part of the, the, the group. I don't know. I, we are not treated the same. I mean, since I moved to to Hollywood, it's always like, oh, you're Latina, you only cast Latinos. But white casting directors can cast anything, right? They can exactly. cast black anything. But me being Latina, I can only cast Latinos. That's not right. No, and, and you've brought up a point that I've made before. Again, you you look at it from, and this is what's interesting. I come at, I look at it from the world of news entertainment, and you look at it from the world of uh, drama entertainment. But it's kind of the same thing. I, and, I, and I'll give you an example. Latinos, again, using statistics, this study was done about seven years ago. We're 20% of the population, roughly, of the United States. We're less than 2% of the people invited to talk about topics on the major news channels in the United States. So right now, if you turn on the TV and you see a conversation about Ukraine or a conversation about inflation or the, the com a conversation, smart conversations about supply chain issues, no Latinos, no Latinos. We're, we're just those, we're not allowed to, I guess, talk about those issues. Again, we're 20% of the population, but yet, you will see others represented there talking about those same things. It's almost like, well, today we're going to talk about immigration. Okay, we should get a Latino. Today we're going to talk about Puerto Rican Independence Day. Okay, now we get a Latino. Well, today we're going to talk about Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, let's uh, get a Latino. But we're, we're, we're so much more than that. We're so much more than yeah. Cinco de Mayo. We're not mariachis. We're Americans, super smart, accomplished Americans that happen to represent the third fastest growing economy in the world, only behind China and India. Gosh, if we could only get that across, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. But I think it is part of us sticking together and being united. You know, I mean, if you look at African-Americans, they 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 are united and it's great. I mean, yeah. they have achieved representation, but they've done it together by sticking together and fighting for it. I think we need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think is at fault for that? I mean, I, I mean, I know, look, I, I, I'm, I'm an East coast Latino and they say we're different than West coast Latinos. The Cubans tend to, you know, vote Republican because they come from a country that was taken over by a communist. So, they keep that in their eight, you know, in, in their ADN, you know, 
their DNA. Uh-huh. Uh, Mexicanos tend to have a different perspective on on some things, but they're, they're minor things. We should be able to find a way to get around that crap, no? Absolutely, absolutely. We 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 need to stick together and help each other out. Because there have been Latinos that have been successful in Hollywood, right? But then you see the projects they they work on and the people that hire, there are no Latinos there. What about the roles? Right? What 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 about what about the roles, Carla? This is another thing that I think is important to have a conversation with you because you've got your finger on the pulse of this, as a, as you know, as I like to call you, the superstar casting director that you are, and that is you know. The Latina too often is cast as the dumb bombshell. The Latino is cast as uh, a funny guy who we can kind of ridicule. Oftentimes they use little people instead of, you know, uh, a, a different kind of, not that, that I'm complaining, you know, little people have their have their right to work too. Um, but, you know, we go back and we think of Latino characters, you know, the plane, the plane. We We see... You know, this guy that Jimmy Kimmel has every night that I did a segment on, too, where he just has this guy on, Guillermo Pobrecito. The guy doesn't even hardly know how to speak English. Then they put him up on stage and they give him lines and then everybody laughs at him. And that's the representation of a Mexicano in the United States. So this this typecasting of flawed characters. God, how do we get I around know. How do, What do you do when you talk to people about this? I know. I mean, I think it's, it's changing. It's, or they're making an effort, you know, there, when I moved here, there were barely any Latino roles and the only roles were the gardener, the maid, the gangster, um, the chola, the, you know, the, the, yeah, those kind of roles. Now we have shows, full shows that are Latinos, you know, but they're getting canceled. So you have Hentified, which I cast, it got canceled. Uh, Gordita Chronicles that just came out got canceled. Uh, you know, they are making these shows, but they cancel them, all the Latino shows. So what's going on? And these shows show us differently. They show it's not just the, you know, the cook or the gardener or the, you know, it's full Latino shows. And I'm working on a lot of them and I'm working on movies and I'm working, you know, I don't know why they're canceling. Hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why they're not working. Uh, I do know that Latinos we need to support each other, and when there is a show that is Latino, we need to support it, and when there is a film that is Latino, we need to support it, um, and stick together and go. You know, it's like in the Heights. You know, in the Heights was criticized so much, but I think within the problems that it might have had. It was a big step because it was a big budget, all Latino film, hmm. right? And what did we do as Latinos? Bring it down and criticize it. Hmm. And it's a beautiful story. It's the beautiful. It is. And it's a beautiful film. Yes, there are some things that could have been better. But, yeah, but when have we had a movie like that that is all Latino with a budget, that kind of budget? And I'm saying this because I work on all Latino projects and our budgets are miserable. <laughs> you know, we have very low budgets. All Latino shows are like, so it makes it hard to cast actors because we have no money. 
and we should find the commonalities. I mean, it's it's, it's right? so much. It's yeah. so complicated. You we, know, we, we we really should the the be, the beautiful stories that come out of Washington Heights, which is where that was set. As a journalist working for CNN, I was covering stories there all the time. That's a cool, interesting, very historically uh, Latino community, as is Little Havana or Hialeah in Miami, as is, you know, East L.A. when you go to Los Angeles, as is uh, San Antonio, as is Las Vegas. I mean, there are pockets of Latino communities in the United States which have their own magnificence, their own identity. And damn it, we should celebrate that, not be saying, well, I didn't grow up in Washington Heights, so why are they doing a story about that, right? And I think yeah. that's what you're getting at, you know? That and also, um, it was criticized because because it was too white, right? So, What the hell does that even if, mean? Exactly. If, we're, if, if us Latinos, we already have divisions, right? Because the countries and you're Cuban, you're Mexican. If we're going to start dividing ourselves because you're a white Latino and you're a... What, no, if I'm going to be criticized because I'm a white Latina, I'm as Latina as can be. I was born in Mexico. Like they say, más mexicana que el chile no puedo ser, right? <laughs> Come on. doesn't make me any less Latina because I'm, I have whiter skin. We're all Latinos. We need people. to. Asian, Afro-Latinos, white Latinos. We're yes. all Latinos. So if we're going to get start getting divided because of that, we're never going to, I mean, we're never going to get anywhere. Carla, can I, can I tell you something? One of the things that we're constantly talking about on this show is getting Latinos to get away from the colors. We're not colors. We're not. It's not an ethnicity. We're not, we're, we're not people of color. We're Latinos. We're not brown. We're Latinos, right? Exactly. And you can come down that ladder of abstraction and say, I happen to be a Cuban American, so I'm a Cuban Latino American, or somebody can be a, uh, a Mexican American. There's even a part of uh, Chiapas where there are African Mexicans who are Latino Americans. So now you're giving me stuff I can use, but just throwing out a color scheme? This no, guy's yellow and this guy's brown and this guy's black and this guy's this. And that's, we got to get away from that. I don't know why we co-opted that. When, by the way, you know, there's only one group of people who are white and who are they? Because last time I checked, I have friends who are Italian, who are my buddies who grew up in Brooklyn, who are darker than me. So yeah. why did they get that classification? But yet somehow I don't. I mean, and I'm somewhere in between and you got to... You know, we're all different shades. That whole color thing, we got to get rid of that. We got to get rid of that. We have to get rid of that because I start, I'm starting to see that, that, that Latinos are starting to go into the colorism thing. Like, oh, we are brown and we, no, we're not all brown. Yeah. No, we're not. You know, and as we are not all brown, there are also Afro-Latinos, which also need to be seen and respected because they have it. So Latino is not an ethnicity. It's a culture. You we're, we're, It's not an ethnicity. Yeah, yeah, and, right? and it's not a race. It's not a race. Exactly, it's not. That is such an interesting point, and I and, and I and I couldn't agree with you more. So. Uh, and I have look. It's funny because I have been attacked by that. I've been like, told like, "Oh, you, but you're you. You've got European white blood." I'm like, so what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. And I've got an abuela who has a freckles. So what? I mean, kill me. I mean, I'm sorry. Exactly. Exactly. So 
Yeah, it's 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 complex. It's really complex. This this subject matter. It, it all comes back to look. If 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 we're Americans, first of all, that's what we are. We are Latinos who live in America, which makes us Latino Americans. Within yeah. that classification, we can come down then the ladder of abstraction and say he's a Latino American, but he happens to be from Cuba. He's a Latino American who happens to be a Cuban, but was raised in Miami. He's a Mexican American who is from Mexico City, but was raised in uh, Phoenix. I mean, that, now you're giving me useful information. When you tell me you grew up in Phoenix, I know something about you. When you tell me you're from Mexico City, I know something about you. When you tell me you're a Mexican American, I know something about you. When you tell me you're brown, what the hell does that say? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I am. Uh, Absolutely. I, I think we're in agreement. You are fantastic. I'm so enjoyed this uh, conversation and I hope we can, uh, you know, we can uh, go back to you whenever we have questions about this, because this is a big deal. I'd be, I'd be happy to look. It's 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 something I'm very passionate about uh, talking and and doing these kinds of things, because we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to talk about these things to to create change. Yeah. So whenever you want, I'm here. Yeah. You know, no. is me. No. Oh, I'm a victim. No, 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 no. That's not who we are. That's not who we are. We're, you know, and that and that's what I like about you. You want to have smart, uh, cogent conversations about a better understanding of what Latinos are and what Latinos can represent. And and, and that, that that's my game too, Carla. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate you taking time out and talking to us. Uh, let me know when you need to cast a, a handsome newscaster or well, in my case, just a newscaster. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I will let you know. Does everybody say that to you when they find out you're a casting director? Do they all of a sudden go like this? Kind of. Oh, yes. um, so you're a casting director. Um, um, you know, it's, you can only imagine it makes people like get all freaky around you, right? Yeah, it uh, it does. It's a common thing. Like, let me know when you when you need a whatever it is. That you right, are. right. Like in my case, a handsome Latino lead character. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> I'm beautiful. casting a Cuban show right now. Actually, Hialeah. It's called Hialeah. I am Mr. Hialeah. So let me know if they need a, a consultant to uh, explain what uh, what it's like to grow up in Hialeah because that. Uh, I came to the United States when I was two years old, was raised in Hialeah, a town that was basically kind of a very southern, sleepy town. And then all of us Guanichis, all of us Oyes, suddenly uh, moved into Hialeah. And now it's like the most, uh, the only city in the United States where 98% of those people speak a different language than English. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know. It is. And they it keep is. coming. But it's you like, know that. The, the the beauty of the of this is the writers, um, they're from Hialeah. Good. So that's what we need. Those are the changes we need. But you know, shows like this are happening. But the problem is they come out and then they cancel them. So, anyway, but that's what's important. That people from telling the story is actually a person who was raised, born and raised there. And that you know? goes back to what we were talking about a little while ago. Nuance, nuance yes. matters. When it comes Absolutely. to casting Latinos in particular, and a lot of other things in life as well. Carla, Absolutely. you are delightful. Thanks so much for taking time to talk to us. Of course. It was a pleasure. 
Thank you for having we'll, me. We'll look for you again. Thank you for gracing us with your presence, as we like to say. And this is, as you know, uh, the Rick Sanchez News Podcast. And we do this because, you know, look, uh, we really think there's a need, as you just heard in my conversation with Carla, for people to have a better understanding of Latino truths. And we call it Latino truths because it's our perspective as Americans living in the United States. And it's because we need to have a better understanding of who we are as Latinos and in the process get others who are non-Latinos to understand who we are as well. That makes us better. That makes this country better. And that's why we do this. It's called the Rick Sanchez News Podcast. Look for it whenever you can on Apple or Spotify if you happen to be listening to this particular clip. And if you're watching us right now on YouTube, you know what? Subscribe. Dale. Andale. Nos vemos. Con todo. Agua.